Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sonny. I'm here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello! And before we get too far in, we do want to take a moment to thank all of our wonderful patrons. Thank you to Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, Marshawn Jones, Master of Isa, Mr. Herbie's, Witchcraft Remain 2022, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Damian Zink, Dank Nugs again, now with Dino DNA, Dank Nugs, Mountain Man, Mythoceanus, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Sneaky Links, MBT's Hard Leg, Ray Powell, Sunny Sweet, and Zyphorus. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. I fully support the funny and creative names. Keep them coming. If you want me to have to read a funny and creative name, our patron starts at just $1 a month. The link is in the description down below. And if you want to support us without having to pay that monthly patron fee or whatever, you can always find our TCG player affiliate link in the description down below. Costs you nothing extra. Just go ahead, click on it before you shop. And then once you start shopping, it will automatically, once you start shopping, as long as our link is the link that brought you to TCG player, then once you pay and everything, it automatically figures all that in. As long as our link is the one that brought you to TCG player. So just click it and then do your shopping as normal and it'll help us out at no extra cost to you. Other than that, I want to ask you to please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Top Cut Podcast. Be sure to follow us on or join our, join our Discord server. The link is in the description down below. And the last thing I want to say is we haven't gotten any Apple reviews in a while. The Apple reviews help us out a lot on that platform. They add a lot of, I guess the word is legitimacy. I hate to say it like that, but um, it makes it to where if somebody like clicks on the podcast, they really see that the show itself is like a legitimate 
program, right? Like I don't I'm I don't want to click on something that's got like two reviews, but if it's got like a couple dozen, that's completely different. Plus, we read every review and we appreciate them all. And we read them out on the podcast. So um unless you tell us you don't want it. If you don't want it right out on the podcast, we won't do that. But we do read them. So thank you all so much that everybody had that has left a review. And if you haven't yet, go ahead. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever. So now that all that's out of the way, <laughs> I want to introduce our esteemed guest. How are you doing, Mr. Ruxin34? It is going very well. How are you guys doing today? You know, I'm I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I had a like nice long 12-hour day at work, but oh. to to be able to walk into the studio and just record, you know, it just makes it all better. Yeah, nice, nice short day of 12-hour work. Now we get to talk about some Yu-Gi-Oh! That should make it better. It usually does, believe it or not. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, for sure. I understand. I used to work and uh, come home and do the videos and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is fun. So that is actually a great segue into... I want you to tell us about that. Let's Let's talk a little bit about your videos. And I want you to tell our audience and the people a little bit more about you and your content and what you do every day because i know like most people know who you are by now but some people still might not so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little more in depth uh my name or my youtube name twitter instagram is ruxin34 i do Yu-Gi-Oh openings for the most part on my channel which is on youtube i also have twitter and instagram etc with the same name where i tweet out random things twitter is just crazy sometimes but uh youtube mostly just openings occasionally we do some uh, dueling content some live streams like opening tons of packs and stuff like that so that's kind of my main content and occasionally i'll do something different okay cool um so i want to talk your content is a little bit different from most even amongst the like community of channels that do do pack openings because there are you know there are the the channels that do mostly pack opening and stuff. But yours is, I think, pretty unique even from those in that the packs that you open are not generally new products. I mean, sure, you do absolutely open new products, whether it's a box or a case or 10 cases, but you do open new products, but you also open some really cool old products. So what kind of made you decide that when you open products that you kind of want to target some of these older products to open up? So basically, uh, I, I'm going to go back to where my channel started and it might help kind of understand. So when yeah, I first yeah. started my channel, uh, I was in my master's program at school. So I was actually getting into dual links and that was actually how I got back into Yu-Gi-Oh for the first time since like 2006. Uh, yeah. I, I was browsing the app store, which is like the only time I've ever done that. Browse the app store. Uh, I was super bored to browse the app store. You got to be pretty bored. I, yeah. I looked through and I saw Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links and I was like, I, for, I, I don't even understand how I had not thought about Yu-Gi-Oh! in like 10 years, but I'm pretty sure that this is accurate. I was like, I haven't thought about Yu-Gi-Oh! in a long time. I was like, this should be fun. I'm going to get it because back in like 2002 to 2006, I played a lot like at school, church, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was always really fun and I always really enjoyed it. So I was like, I'm going to get this game. I'm going to see what it's all about. Started playing Duel Links at that point. And that was when it was super hot. You know, everyone was playing it at that point. And I was 
make, I started making YouTube videos for some reason. I still don't remember why I made a YouTube channel. I had kind of always wanted to make a YouTube channel. I had watched like clash of clans content in like 2013 and just weird and Pokemon go and all, all kinds of weird. Like I was always a mobile game guy for the most part. It was like clash of clans, Pokemon go and duel links. So those are the kind of the games I played. So, and so I was just going to say not to cut you off. I'm definitely going to send you an invite to our clash of clans clan when this is over. So <laughs> okay, you know, I had, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I haven't played too much. I played for a really long time with clash of clans. Like, uh, I would maxed out at like, I'm not, I'm not going to get too carried away in this, but I had maxed out at like town hall 11 and then the, they kept adding more stuff. So I was yeah, like, I would 14 now. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, this just feels like I'm just running in mud. I can't keep up. Like there's always more stuff to, which I guess is the point, but it just felt like so much work. So yeah, I, I play, yeah, but I played that for years and it was super fun. Um, and so that's how I kind of got into Duel Links. It's like, what's this new phone game I, I'm going to play? So I got it to Duel Links. <laughs> what was i what was i talking about oh yeah youtube i started posting <laughs> youtube videos i don't even know why because i i guess watch those more other mobile games on youtube i was like that would be an awesome job to have and i was like it's never gonna happen but you know i guess let's post some videos so i started posting some dual links videos which are terrible they were like out of my car and like i was using like a headset from for xbox and stuff it, it yeah. was really bad but uh so i, I posted like a hundred videos on on dual links and never never did long? What, what was that over the course of how long it was like i think november 30th was my day i started the channel i don't remember if i posted the video that day or not and then i kind of posted stuff for like a few months and then i took a break and then i posted a few more like because i would go on a dual links kind of hiatus i wouldn't play it and i would come back and then i'd post another video or whatever so those weren't i didn't have like a lot of subscribers i think i had like 180 or something like that so I, I got a few subscribers, but like it was mostly people looking up like a deck list or something like that or whatever. So yeah. I was doing that. I kind of stopped doing that because I, I wasn't playing Duel Links for a while. Uh, so there was nothing to post because that was what I was posting. So I think around 20, sometime in mid 2018, I got into the TCG, but it was not playing the TCG it was collecting the TCG. I started watching a lot of videos about old box openings and PSA grading and stuff like that from like old school expert. And uh, I guess simply on Lucky's older videos, stuff like that. So I started doing that and I was like, this looks like a lot of fun. And at one point I was able to trade for a first edition ancient sanctuary box, which is a pretty old box, but it's not like the, it's not like the coolest box ever, but it was like the 11th core set ever. So I was when I decided I was going to open it, I was like, I have to record this because like it, it was like a $270 valued trade or something. I was like, if I'm going to open a $270 box, I have to have a video for this. Like, even if it doesn't like, you know, get any views or anything, I'm still going to post it. So that's I made funny because yeah, like that's box is worth way more than that now. Yeah, it's worth like 2000 or something crazy like that. So at that time, it was like 270 And like to at that point, I was like, $270 box. This is insane. I've got to like record this. So even though it wasn't as expensive now, I still thought it was crazy. So I, I did open it. Uh, I remember I opened it and like it was like in the dark almost. There was like a I was using the flash off of something. It was like the flash off my phone or something. It looks really bad. I saw the video up, but I recorded that one and I was like, okay, I got, I have to, uh, record this. It wasn't my first opening I had posted, but it was the first like big opening. So I, I had taken a break from also posting YouTube videos in general. I think I, my first opening was the let, what was it called? Legendary duelist with Joey on it. Just regular legendary duelist. That's yeah. now, that's now my first video in quotations on my YouTube. Cause I unlisted everything else that was dual links. 
Uh, yeah. So that one pops up. But the Ancient Sanctuary was really where I started like actually posting stuff. Um, so I posted that and I kind of started doing only, not necessarily only older openings, but if I got something that was like Cyber Dark Impact, even though it's not the most exciting set, but it's sort of older, I would, I would post those videos on YouTube. And eventually I just, I did just what I like. So, you know, I just kept posting that stuff when I could get it. I got you. Um, so what, so you say you got back into Duel Links when you hadn't played the game since like 2006. So what initially brought you into the game? Was it just like uh, kind of the game to play where you were, like you said, kind of like at school and church and like around with your friends and stuff? Uh, I I don't remember exactly how it went, but I do know, I do think this, this is what I think because I can't really remember. I'm pretty sure that my first card was I went to McDonald's and got a McDonald's pack and I got the Millennium Shield. I know I did get it. I don't remember for sure if it was the first thing that happened, but I'm pretty sure it was. Then also a lot of my friends were into Yu-Gi-Oh! Like everyone at that point in like 2002, it was like at all the schools and all the, like everyone at church and everything had the cards. So it was just like the thing to do. So I, that was like my first card. And then I kind of got into it from there. I got you. Yeah. I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. I remember my first card actually. So my mom's a high school teacher and she, we were at a basketball game for her, for the high school that she worked at. Cause she was like doing concessions or whatever at the game. Yeah. And um, we were walking out to the car after the game. And there was a Yu-Gi-Oh card on the ground in the parking lot. <laughs> and I picked it up without her knowing. Cause that's pretty gross. Yeah. And it was like destroyed, but I could still read the card, see the card and read on the back where it said Yu-Gi-Oh. And next time we're at the store, I'm like, yo, I've seen those. Those are cool. I want some of those. But that card was a lizard soldier. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So what, what, what is that? Like Metal Raiders? Something oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Guardian? yeah. It's something old. I, I, I would guess Metal Raiders because there's a lot of stuff like that. But I'm not actually 100% sure about that one. Yeah. yeah. I, I've definitely seen that card pulled on your channel. But yeah, if you, it's old, I've pulled it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you youngins. I, I, got, I first got into Yu-Gi-Oh! Actually... As far as like the anime is concerned, when the I remember the premiere of the anime. Oh yeah, no, you're old. <laughs> yeah, I'm ancient comparatively. Like I you're said, a I, boomer. I remember when the anime premiered, but I didn't get a pack until the very first pack I ever got, the very first Yu-Gi-Oh card I ever got, and I opened it. I remember I had Dark Zebra, Electric Snake, Performance of Sword, and Sonic Bird. Yeah, in the pack. Magic Ruler. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, and it, it, not Spell Ruler. Magic, Magic ruler. ruler, the OG. Yeah. <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> yeah, and then I got the Dark Duel stories uh, with the Siriaryu. Yeah, Siriaryu. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Sal- uh, Salamangrate. An acid trap hole. Yeah. yeah. That's Salamangrate. The Salamandra yeah. sword. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Sal- it's not called Salamandra sword, is it? It's called... It's just uh, Salamandra. Yeah. It's Salamandra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, it went off from there. Yeah. Well, it's nice changing. to hear that your DDS game had promos in it. Yeah, I didn't even get the I didn't even get the DDS game. So there you go. Man, y'all, I, y'all are y'all, even not having promos. You're on a bit different level than me. Man, I, I usually got oh, a thousand great. hours in that game. Easy. Oh, not me. <laughs> I don't um, I don't know if I've ever actually played that game, to be honest. 
Oh, Dark. I, I've never really played any of the Yu-Gi-Oh games except for Master Duel. Okay, I played like Sacred Cards, I think. Sacred Cards was cool. But listen, yeah. the thing about Dark Duel Story Chapter Mirror is on Game Boy Color, right? <laughs> yep. So you have one trap card space. Oh, Lord. What? <laughs> you have one trap card space. All your spells just activate. And wait, they don't take up like a space? No. They, oh, wow. No. Um, and also, things will just can you like equip spells can just be randomly equipped to stuff and instead of like equipping going to a zone it just gives them the attack boost <laughs> now when i say random i'm talking armored lizard you know the 1200 1400 reptile monster yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. can be equipped with dragon treasure i mean can it be equipped anyway with that no only can only a dragon be equipped to dragon yes Okay, wow. Okay. Also, <laughs> we're getting off topic. Home, one more thing. I also equipped Dragon Treasure 1.2 Dragon Zombie. This is so weird. Because it said dragon in the name. Dark Tool Stories was insane. That that sounds very confusing to be honest. Well, it's because I don't know if a lot of people know this. The original, like the video game, the anime, and the card game, the reason that they're so distinctly different from one another, it's because it was actually three completely different design teams that had no overlap in different parts of the world. That mm -hmm. makes it make a lot more sense because if these were the same people doing this, I'm just very, I'm questioning a big time. <laughs> oh, I mean, everybody's questioned it forever, but no, it was actually completely different design teams at completely different sections of the parent company. So yeah. you had one team working on the anime and they had like a vague set of rules and then you had the actual card game makers making the actual game with the actual rules. And then you had a completely different set of people working on the video games. It, it's it's it was three completely different like sections of the company that never interacted with each other. That, oh, yeah. that makes and, perfect sense. You know, because yeah. then you, you get weird things like in the anime, how during the dual monster era, well, they're on the island. Kabahana was a spell card. Yeah. Or they could just like normal summon big monsters like that was, was that an original rule set of the game. But there's what I can't remember what the clip is exactly where I think it might happen a couple times where Yugi's like, I activate my trap card. He holds up a spell card or a magic card. And you're like, that's not a yep. trap. <laughs> like what? Yep. That, that happened several, t several, t several points. But like the biggest one that stuck in my head was Bones activating Call the Haunted. And it's a spell card. And yeah. he's three special summons, Crawling Zombie, Crest Clown, and... Oh, he saw him like three cards at once. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He gets them all out there and they start getting pumped forms. up by that pumpkin. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah. Pumpkin, the king of ghosts. Yeah. Okay. So with you opening these old sets and these old things, just kind of like, you know, staring us back on track. Um, how have you found that have you found it that it's getting more difficult to find some of these old things? Because realistically there's like a certain amount of scarcity there, right? Like as more gets opened up, which you're not the only channel opening old stuff, you know? So as more of these things get opened up, realistically, it becomes more and more scarce. Have you have you found, not necessarily that you're impacting it, but just like as time goes on, these things are getting harder for you to procure? Or have you found they're actually getting easier to procure because, you know, your name's out there and you, you have more connections now? Yeah, I think it kind of balances out because it's definitely getting hard or at least more expensive because you can always find stuff uh, not necessarily everything, but you could find something old. It's just going to be kind of expensive or it's going to be on eBay or something like that. You might not trust that seller or whatever, but it's definitely easier for me sometimes because I get a lot of my stuff because people will email me and say, hey, I have this stuff I want to sell. 
uh, do you want to buy it? And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends on if they want like a crazy number or if they want something pretty good for me or whatever, or if they're willing to like make a deal with me or whatever. So I get a lot of my stuff now from people just telling me they have stuff for me. Um, but before it was like probably a little easier to find stuff and definitely cheaper when I started like 2018, 19, especially 2019, uh, before like everything went crazy, I, you could really find stuff at a decent price. I would say, especially compared to now, like really good price compared to now, but it was a lot easier back then to find stuff like under a thousand dollars for a first edition booster box. So like, I, I remember buying like magic ruler first edition for $800 and now they're a uh, few thousand or whatever so i remember buying that and being like this is really expensive and then le- and then they became thousands and i was like maybe that was a great price actually yeah <laughs> have you had any of those things that you got at that time that you just like have been sitting on waiting for a rainy day to open as the price keeps going up and up you're like i don't know if i want to open this anymore i don't keep a ton i have a few things that i've kept but nothing that was like super cheap like i I paid for a couple things. They were kind of expensive and I just kept them and I still have them, but I didn't buy anything. Like if I got it at a great deal, I was just going to open it for a video because it was going to make a good video. Uh, so I, I don't have a ton of like sealed inventory. Like, like I would hope that I would, but at like at the, especially at the beginning, I didn't have, I don't have like a ton of money or anything, especially back then I was like spending enough to make videos, you know? So it was like, okay, I have this much I can make. I need to make like a lot of videos so I could spend all this money or whatever. And then I don't really have any money to, I didn't at least have any money to save anything. Cause it was like, if I save this, that's like two videos I can't make or something like that. So I would, I would pretty much open everything until recently. I've kept a couple of things, but still not too much. I got you. So as you go out and you procure all these things, I know that there's some things that you have sought out and just gone after for certain projects, for certain events. I I know what sticks out in my mind is opening every special edition and every tin and one of every pack from the entirety of Yu-Gi-Oh. By the way, that was a great video. If anybody wants to go watch that. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't watch the entire thing beginning to end because I think it was like two and a half hours. Yeah, you got to fully commit if you're going to watch that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. But you had some really cool pulls in that video. I think you pulled a Jinzo out of PSV. Yeah. And the unfortunate part about that one was that was the one I accidentally didn't record that part. Oh, yeah. So what happened with that one? That's that was a cool one because I decided just in time to make that video because I made that video like in July, 2020. And then, you know, like two months later, everything went crazy. So yeah. I actually ended up getting all of that stuff actually at a pretty good price. I think so. The way I priced it was I just priced out the pack. So like I spent more because on some things I would have to buy like a whole special edition to get one of the packs or something like that. Or I, yeah. I had to buy like, like for the light and darkness power pack, I had to buy like the, the light darkest power pack which has two packs instead of one so it was like double the price or whatever I, I ended up spending though if you just did like okay there's two packs in this i'll divide it by one that's how much i spent on this one pack or whatever it was like yeah. three thousand seven hundred dollars which Ooh. is like i mean honestly super cheap compared to some of the videos i've done and like for oh, how really? great for how crazy it was like opening every single pack i was ex- like i guess i wasn't expecting to spend that much but like if i did that now it's going to be over ten thousand easily uh so 
when I when I was able to get it for that much, I was actually like, I, it was over the course of three three or four months. Like it took a while, but I was like, I feel like I did pretty good getting all these packs at this price, to be honest. And it was definitely worth it for like how the video did and just how cool it was. Um, but yeah, the thing with that, I was recording that video, and at that time, I think I was still using my Mac to record. So I had a Mac, and then I had like, I, it was the way I was re recording was super weird. I had like uh my mic was set up to my mac and then like my phone was on a separate thing and like all this different stuff so as someone on a mac i relate right and then i had a gopro that's what it was that's what my face cam was i used a gopro for a long time that's why it looks so garbage so i had a gopro it kept dying because the video was so long so i i had to charge it once i had to charge it a second time so then i come back with the last like 15 packs so you know the big stuff the finale whatever and so it's charged up I forget to press record on my phone because I got to press record on like three different things. I was recording audio on my computer. I was recording audio or face cam on the GoPro and then hands cam on the iPhone. And I recorded everything except the hands cam. So I did not record the Genzo pull on the hands cam. So I had to recreate it because I was like, I may, I've been hyping this video up for months. I am not going to have like, hey guys, I didn't record the end. Sorry, you're not going to see it. What I'm going to do is be like, hey, guys, I didn't record it, but I recreated it for you. <laughs> so I, di I did that. And then, of course, there were several comments like that. That pull at the end was fake or that pull. You, that pack was already open. And I'm like, you must have skipped the part where I announced that I that I had to redo this. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it, it was so sad. It was a sad moment, but it was still awesome pulling that Genzo. Yeah, I've definitely it's kind of crazy to see some of the stuff that you've pulled, which I mean, realistically, you open like at least a dozen packs every video, right? And that's like a video every day. You're on 370 or so days in a row and it's bound to get somewhere. I mean, that's a few thousand packs minimum. That's not, we're not going to talk about like cases at a time. <laughs> yeah. But that's just like, that's several thousand packs. There's bound to be like crazy pools, right? Yeah, but, well, when you do those case openings, there, I mean, that's why I do so many cases of the new sets because I want to make sure that we're going to pull something good. Like the newest stuff, you know, with the Starlights, they're so hard to pull. The ratios are ridiculous. So I want to make sure that we can at least get a Starlight so it's like exciting and everything. Uh, but with the older stuff, I, it is a little bit easier to pull everything like compared to like Starlights now. Like if you open like for a secret rare in an old set, it's only like one out of every two or three boxes compared to like a Starlight being one out of 120 boxes if you're going to pull the specific Starlight. So it is a little easier. I don't get to open as many packs, but uh, it does. It's not like super hard to pull compared to like a Starlight, but it's still pretty difficult. And I don't really get to open like, let's say like three or four first edition Pharaoh Servant boxes or whatever, but it's still really cool to pull that, that Jedzo when you do. Well, I mean, you say one out of every 120, but we've established that it's more like 134. Yeah, yeah, for the Stardust, yeah. <laughs> How, so, okay, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Can you can you yeah. walk us through, like, like, our, like, I'm just going to say, like, I know stores around us that can't get 10 cases, and they're an OTS store. Like, how, what's the process of going through to acquire, like, 10 to 12 cases of product like that? So for that specific card, it was the first starlight that I was like, I am going to pull this for a video because it's a big, you know, it's a, it's the five D's card. It's the card that you want. And I was yeah. like, I'm doing the math. I'm thinking, okay, one out of every 25 boxes, there's five starlights in the set. We know it's one in 125. There's no way it's going to take 
that many boxes though, right? You know, it's not going to take that long, but just in case I'm going to get 10 cases because I'm going to, I'm going to be just below the ratio. That's 120 boxes. So I'm like, that should guarantee me the starlight, right? Or at least get close. So uh, like, yeah, that's going to be fine. In so theory. in theory, so I went ahead and did that. So which by the way, if you're wondering about that, so I work with Sassy Auto, who's a friend of mine. Uh, he's also on eBay. He's one of the biggest eBay sellers. He has like 70K feedback. Like he's a wow. machine at selling on eBay. Um, he does like pre like the stuff on like Facebook where like people would get a bunch of cases, and then sell them to a bunch of people. He does that. And he also does them on eBay. Now, I think that's where I don't know if that Facebook's where he started. It's probably eBay, but now he does everything on eBay. So he like hooks me up with the cases. So he's like, how many do you want? I tell him a number. If it's a super hot set, it, it might be harder. Like with Burst of Destiny, I could not get 10. I, I wanted 10, but then he, I was like, well, it, if it's going to be too much, like you have allocations, like you need to sell to other people, like just give me as many as you can. I think I ended up getting like five or something. So with Dawn of Majesty, you know, it wasn't the most exciting set ever, but for me, I was like, I'm getting the Stardust. And so he's like, dude, take as many cases as you want of this set. Like it's not the craziest set ever. Like I'm going to have plenty. So I was like, give me 10. I think 10 will be plenty. So we worked out 10. He sends me 10 cases. I do a seven hour live stream. Fortunately, a friend of mine came over and helped me open some of them. We don't friend. get the Stardust. Yeah. <laughs> 10. We got, we opened 10 and did not get the Stardust. So it was, I was like, wow, we really just opened that much. We got like, I think we got five Starlight. Yeah. It was like the first six cases we pulled one Starlight. So we were getting so unlucky. The last four, we pulled one, but it was all the wrong ones. We pulled every Starlight and then a duplicate of one except the Stardust. So yeah. I ended up, I, I hit up Sassy and I was like, Hey man. I need more Dawn of Majesty. <laughs> He's like, uh, okay. So I was like, let's go with like, I can't remember how many I got. I think it's like three or four more. Cause I usually keep, try to keep one. So speaking of the stuff you said about keeping sealed, I do keep the newer stuff. I keep a case sealed. So I've been trying like to do that recently. So I had to open my case. So I was like, first of all, I need another case to keep sealed. Then I need to pull the Stardust. So I think I bought three more and that's when we pulled it. Or maybe four more. I don't remember how many we bought, but we ended up, finally pulling it 133 134 boxes whatever it was in uh and it's just insane because <laughs> that was the most effort i've ever put in to pull something because usually you get lucky to pull it you know earlier on in the ratio you don't have to open that many boxes hey i'm just gonna say though the um the clip is amazing it's an all-timer <laughs> yeah that was back before i got a sure mic so i had a uh i had a blue yeti and i had the um uh, whatever that filter thing is that like when it gets too loud, it just cuts you off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it just goes, boop, it just cuts off. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Cause that was awesome because I was like, I think that was the 90 K subscriber stream. We we're going to 90 K was. Yeah. And I had already pulled a starlight out of that, out of that case. So it was like, we're not getting another starlight. You know, we're probably not getting a double starlight case. And you know, you open up the pack, you see it's a starlight. I saw it was a starlight. I'm like, Oh my gosh, guys, this, this could be it. So I set it down. We open all the rest of the packs go, and we save it for that last that last moment. And it happened to be the right starlight, which is like the chances are one in five. You know, it's still not that good that it's it's still 20% or whatever. So I, I was like, this is probably not going to be it. I'm going to have to open more cases. And then it was it. And I just lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the, the hype surrounding that moment, the amount of effort. I tuned in on the original like 10 cases stream and just seeing the 10 cases stream going in like getting like I, I probably tuned in for 20 or 30 minutes you know yeah and popping in at the beginning like okay i'm going for the stardust getting like halfway through i popped in about halfway through like 
five cases in only one starlight <laughs> you know and coming in at the end like all right guys well i guess we're gonna try again some other day and i, I was, was like oh no i was literally miserable towards the end of that my back was killing me because first of all yeah since my friend had come over he'd come down from like florida or whatever and i like when you keep saying my friend isn't rhyme style is was it rhyme style no it wasn't rhyme style it wasn't rhyme style. it was a uh, vintage Yu-Gi-Oh. who is oh, okay okay yeah so he was coming through because like he drives past my house basically on his way to like his parents house which he goes back to sometimes for like different things or whatever so he was coming through and he stopped by and he's like he he saw that i was going to do the stream he texted me the night before hey you mind if i come opens packs like dude get get in here man this is going to be miserable because i was like if this goes for 10 cases i'm going to be dead like opening this by myself so when he said he yeah. could come help me out i was like this is going to be awesome you know we're going to get through we're going to pull stardust and like a few cases not gonna be a big deal so he, he shows up around the third case i'm already like man i'm getting kind of tired there's still eight more cases he comes in there I'm like okay this is good okay we've got like two hands knowing going now it's going to speed it up and we get all the way through, like my back is killing me. I'm like leaning this weird angle because we're both trying to fit into the screen or whatever. And I, oh man, it, it, at the end, my back hurts so bad. I was like, can we just pull it, please? And we never did. <laughs> like never again. We're not doing this again. <laughs> I say that. And then I opened like seven cases of Battles of Chaos by myself. Basically. No, Chelsea helped me for like one, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that one felt like felt super long because it was just me. You know, it's just you and you open like six or seven cases it can start really, really hurting. So the next one I want to talk about, another highlight reel moment. So the odds of opening one starlight in a case are like one in two. The odds of opening two starlight case in a case are pretty rare, right? Pretty I think rare, yeah, pretty rare. Pre maybe like one out of every 20 or 30 cases is a double yeah. starlight case. Yeah. So what are the odds of opening three starlights in a case? I don't know, but I've only seen it once. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably one. That are, those are the odds. One. Yeah. There's you got just it. one odd. Yeah. That that was an insane. That was an insane case because that like. No, yeah. So as you were saying earlier, it's like if you buy a lot of packs, you expect to pull something good. Well, I only bought one case of that. Because this guy hit me up on Instagram, which I I felt really bad for him after that. Because he hit me up and he's like, hey, you want to buy this case of Chaos Impact? And I was like, oh, I was like, yes, definitely. Because I've never, because at that point, Chaos Impact was before I bought cases. It was way too early for me to make it to be worth buying cases. Because I wasn't getting a ton of views on YouTube. It wasn't going to be like a big stream or anything. And I didn't even stream at that point when that came out. So there was no reason for me to buy that. So it, I had never opened a case of it. I was like, yes, IP mask arena chase. That'll be super fun. We won't pull it. It'll be awesome. So I buy it. I think I, I it was around like $850 or something like that. So I bought it for like $850. I was like, this will make a good stream. I'm probably not going to make any of my money back because the only card actually worth a lot of money is IP. Even the ultra version is like under 20 bucks. So like if we don't pull IP, which is like $900, then we're not going to make money here. It's just going to be like for fun or whatever. Right. So we get it. We pull that first one. I was like, wow, this was an awesome case. <laughs> I guess that's it for this case. You know, I, I think what happened. What? Okay. So I, I think what happened was I did the thing where I set it down. So I set yeah. it down. We didn't know what it was yet. 
and I'm just I'm just going through packs waiting for some like number or something like that. I was like, if when we hit this many likes, I'm gonna sh reveal it or whatever. Because like I'm like, okay, this is the this is the reveal of the case. As soon as I reveal this, people everybody leaves because you know who cares at this point. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna milk it for a little bit longer. And hit this many likes and we're gonna go. So shuffling through packs, I think that's when I accidentally. I, I don't even see the starlight because I'm just reading chat and stuff. And I opened up into the next one. And I think at that point was IP Masquerade. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. a second starlight. And it's the one we want. So then we hit the likes. I reveal it. It's another one. And I'm like, not only is this a double case, this is the best card by far. Like this is a $900 plus card. The second starlight is worth 200 or less. So not right. only is it the best card, it's best by multiples and I pulled it twice. I'm like, this is the best case ever. And then we finish it off with a third starlight, which at that point I was sure it was going to be an IP. I was like, this is some sort of error. We're going to get three IP. It turned out to be like the Gorgon or whatever, but I even then it was like a triple starlight, two IPs. It was the craziest thing ever. And then the guy on Instagram, I didn't want to message him because it would feel like I was rubbing it in or something. So he ended up messaging me. He's like, that was a crazy case, man. I was like, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, just real quick, I want to go ahead and do a quick ad read. Uh, turns out sponsors like it when we talk about them. So <laughs> real quick, I do just want to talk about our sponsor, ETB Games in Alexandria, Louisiana. They are our locals. They are gracious enough to sponsor this podcast, and they are a great one-stop shop for everything that you would need for all of your card game needs. You can get everything you need for your Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, Digimon, whatever card game you're playing. You can get everything you need for it. You can get singles, you can get sealed product, you can get sleeves, you can get binders, deck boxes, pretty much whatever you need, play mats, etc. They also have a great tabletop community. They play Warhammer, they play D&D. You can get figurines, paint for the figurines, books, mats. They have space to play these games. They do have pre-painted pre figurines for those who don't want to paint. Also, yes. And you can also find a great spot to play all of your video games. They have a section just for you can come in, play video games and things like that. So be sure to check them out. Their link will be in the description down below. And now back to the interview. So... I do also want to talk about um, how do you go about like procuring some of these older products? So I know you said a lot of times people hit you up and kind of reach out to you to get these things, but is there anything that you've wanted to just like chase after just that? Like, uh, I think I used it in a, um, a podcast question today at one point, like a, is there that like, like that white whale, right? That one that you just always chased but kind of always had issues getting, you know, product. It can be a certain card, anything. Yeah, there's a couple of things that I, there's some things that I had the chance to get, but I haven't gotten them for like the price or whatever. And then there's some things that, uh, well, I guess that's true for both of these. But so right now I have opened every box first edition from the original and the GX series, except Invasion of Chaos first edition. So that's one that at some point I would like to grab a box of. There actually was a box of it today on eBay for $3,300, but it looked kind of sketchy. So I passed on it. Probably should have bought it and just risked it. But 
I didn't want to risk. I didn't want to like deal with the hassle of it. But yeah, that is a three hundred seems like a great deal for that particular. That's set. another reason yeah. it felt sketchy because it was way too cheap. It, the box yeah. itself looked honestly looked resealed. So I was like, do I really want to go through like the whole thing of like having to like charge back on eBay, hope they side with me, all that stuff after I've already opened it and all that stuff. So I just passed on it. I probably should have gone for it, but that's the last box I need. So at some point I would really want to pick that up. I've had a couple chances, but it's a little bit tricky because there is the box with that box. There's the IOC uh, retail versus hobby box. The hobby box can have the chaos and bird dragon secret rare. The retail can only have invader or darkness. So one is obviously way more exciting than the other. If you can't right. pull chaos and bird dragon, like why am I opening this box? It's still really expensive, like almost as expensive yet. You can't pull one of the best cards. So I had to right. pass on a couple of ones like that. Uh, I had a chance to buy one at like, I think it was $10,500, but it just, it, when you open something like that for $10,500, it's, it, I have to open it for myself. I can't like sell it and be, that be the time I've opened it. I, like I, I have to open it for myself. So it's like, do I have $10,500 right now? And the answer was no. So that's why I didn't buy it. Uh, right. That's one. There's one that's much harder and I will probably never open it. Uh, Retro pack one. I really want to open a box of Retro Pack 1. It is ridiculously hard to find. And the only place th that I've been able to find it was I had a chance really early on, like before I was doing like had any number of subscribers or anything to get one for like $6,750, which right now I would buy it in a heartbeat for that much, but it's way too much. Uh, it's going to be way more than that now. So I passed on it at that point. I think it was like either early 2020 or 2019. So like I didn't have the money for it. And now it's just insanely hard. I don't even know anybody who has one anymore. So I can't even like ask or figure it out. One guy had one that I knew and then he ended up trading it. So I didn't get a chance to buy it from him. So now I just don't even know where, where I could get it from. So that's, that's like the dream. I would love to open that set up. Uh, even though when you pull the secret rares that are always damaged out of that set. So it would be a huge L if I ever did buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just, it's just one of those things where you've always wanted to have it and wanted to open it. Right. Yeah, it's just a, a really rare opening on YouTube. I think uh, Simply Unlucky opened one several years ago. It has like 3.5 million views because <laughs> there's just not a lot of options for it. So I was like, that would be a cool one to open like early on. And also it has really cool, like, you know, it's all throwbacks. It's like blue eyes. It's like a scapegoat for goat format is in there. Uh, one of the most expensive cards is actually Cyber Harpy Lady Secret Rare, which is kind of weird. But uh, it's like really expensive because it's like really hard to grade because you pull it out. The back corners are always like frayed, so you can't really grade it and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it would be cool, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So listen, if you're listening, folks, and you happen, if you just happen to have one of those, uh, hit Ruxin up, <laughs> let him know. Just send it to my address. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pay for it. Anything. No, just <laughs> yeah, ideally, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, it'll make a great video. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, that would make an awesome video. It would, yeah. Um, yeah, I think my white whale thing that I've always wanted is a near mint first edition Metal Raiders Gate Guardian. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I still don't yeah. own that either. I don't know. I own a, I own a super faded one that's actually in really good condition, but for some reason, PSA gave it a six. Probably because it was faded. I'm not really sure. But I own a very faded one, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think mine. I just Gate Guardians, just like my favorite card of all time, and I I have a near mint unlim, but you know, with the 
with the rewave of the unlimited it's just not the same you know it doesn't hold yeah, the value yeah, <laughs> yeah they, um, they, they kind of killed the unlimiteds with that yeah n- none of those unlimited cards from those early sets have any value anymore you know except for like uh dimension fusion that but one's they, got a lot of value <laughs> yeah gate guardian though it, it will always hold like a solid 30 bucks though like no matter how many times they reprint it you can still get 30 bucks even if it's the reprint because that thing is just like I mean, people will buy if they see Gate Guardian for $30, they're going to buy it. So I think it's been 30 bucks since I've been into Yu-Gi-Oh! 30 to $40 since like 2018. <laughs> it's really funny. Well, and what's what kills me is about it is that it actually it was like like right now it's about 40. Yeah, it was like 80 for like mm-hmm. a short period of time for like a few months. Yeah. And don't you know that's when I picked it up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, a couple that's, other. Go ahead. I did that with uh, I, October 2021. Logan Paul opens up that base box. I bought an entire base set for like four thousand five hundred dollars. Unlimited base set, uh, like complete set of all the raw cards. Like it, it's probably worth like two thousand now. <laughs> so I feel like. Oh rip! <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest L that I ever took on a card was uh, when all of the there was a lot of hype or like middle or to late last year, probably around like August of last year around plant synchro format. Mm-hmm. And I bought a near mint. I mean, just crisp, minty, dual terminal Brianac. Oh, yeah. Looked great. Yeah. And Honestly, I knew it was bought out on TCG, but I still thought I was getting a solid deal. 200. <gasps> Aren't they 70 now? Yeah, they're 70 now. Oh, cuz I have one. It's probably it's it's like near men, I think, and it's I put it in my uh Edison deck, yeah. And I was yeah. like looking it up and I was like 70 feels like a lot less than the last time I looked at this. <laughs> yeah, it was 200 and this was like maybe a month and a half or s- maybe a month after i buy it they add in the price history tool oh no that just made me feel so much worse because you can watch the price history thing on it go Mm -hmm. from like 80 spike up to like 300 and then just tank back down to like 80 and i'm just like oh that price history tool is a lifesaver in terms of like those buyouts and stuff like it'll save you so much money you're like oh Everyone bought every copy. That's why it's so expensive. Yes. So I do have a couple more quick questions. So a lot of people, when there's like a bit of a terminology thing with some of these old packs and old sets. And one of the key things that I hear a ton of people ask about, wonder about, is the difference between a retail box and a hobby box. It's something that you mentioned a little bit earlier with the Chaos Emperor Dragon, and it's mentioned a lot in those old GX sets because it impacts what what boxes can have certain ultimate rares versus can't have certain ultimate rares. Yep. And I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on the differences between the two boxes and like what the original purpose was behind the differences. Okay, so from what I know, basically the retail was for like actual retail stores like Target and stuff like that. And then the hobby would go to your hobby shop, like your local game store and everything like that. So basically at the beginning in the original series, obviously there's no ultimate rares or anything. The only difference was 
the secret rare you could pull. And then they would they actually change it up to have more packs in the retail packs, starting with Magic Ruler and ending with, I believe, Dark Crisis. So there would be 36 packs in the retail box and you would pull the retail secret. So for Magic Ruler, the retail secret is Serpent Night Dragon. You could only get Serpent Night Dragon from those packs. You could not get Blue-Eyes Toon Dragon. Hobby Box, you could get Blue-Eyes Toon Dragon. You could not get Serpent Night Dragon. It worked the same way in LOB when they had the same 24-pack boxes, except one had Gaia and one had Trihorn Dragon. The retail had... I think the retail was Gaia and the hobby was Trihorn Dragon. So then when it moved into GX... It did kind of the same thing where it split it up, except it was way more drastic this time because they made it where the retail could not pull any super rares or ultra rares that also come as ultimate rares. You couldn't pull the ulti form for those. You could only pull the ulti form for rare cards. So you kind of, unless it was like a set with great rares, which there's not a lot in GX, you kind of got the bad ultimate rares, which is kind of weird. Your hobby, like I guess it was like a way, kind of like a lost start promotion almost. Go to your hobby, your hobby store, your local game store, because they can get the better cards. I don't know if that's why they did it or not, but that's kind of what it feels like. But now it's like, if you buy a retail GX box, it's so much worse than like a hobby GX box because you don't have a chance to pull those huge cards. Yeah, yeah. So there's a huge price difference in those boxes, right? The hobbies are way more expensive, right? Usually the hobbies are a lot more expensive. For some of the rare boxes, uh, even the retail hold some pretty big value just because they're a sealed box of, the, of that set. Also, there's a lot of like people that just don't know that that exists, that retail hobby exists. So that kind of, they might buy that box and have no idea. And it kind of like influences the price in that way. But I try to like mention that all the time so that if you like at least watch me, you know that there's a big difference there. But uh, yeah, the hobbies are still much more expensive. They're really rare because people just aren't as willing to sell them and especially like even open them up because it's just really tough to come by because it basically cuts what GX was already sort of a shorter print run because it was like less popular time for Yu-Gi-Oh! Already like that. And then you cut it in half because half the boxes aren't as good. So it's like, imagine if nowadays they printed a new set like let's say with tune chaos because that was sort of short printed because of like uh the virus and everything yeah so they that was short printed let's imagine half the boxes of that you couldn't pull collector rares or the collector rares had to be like you know something garbage that you didn't actually want yeah. so it makes those boxes so much harder to find and so much more desirable right no one can see this but whenever you said that i made this face of oh my god yeah <laughs> It's, I mean, it's a pretty crazy thing to think about. Yeah, I, I kind of hate it because it just, GX, I feel like GX doesn't get opened very much because one, they're super rare. And then two, they're so expensive because they're so rare. It's just not worth it anyway, because the, the box price is a lot more expensive because there's that value of being rare added on to what you can pull because it's not just the cards you pull because the cards you pull are usually garbage. Like whenever I open GX, I... As soon as I'm done with the video, I'm like, why in the world did I open that? I got nothing out of that. So it just makes it that much harder to open GX. Yeah. And it's something that I always wonder about because those GX boxes are so expensive and so rare, but they're so cool. Especially if you look at a set like, I want to say it is Strike of Neos, the one that's got like the Air Neos in it. Yeah. And it's like, even if you go crazy good on it, right? Even if you like open an ulti air Neos, and even if you open like, like, let's see you get like, I don't know, is it even possible to get multiple ultis in a box? 
So uh, it GX is split up. So for Strike of Neos, when they started adding secret rares back, you only get one ulti per box. But in the early on ones, like the Lost Millennium, Enemy of Justice, all that stuff, you got two every box. So oh, wow. because because they have secret rares in uh, in Strike of Neos and Phantom Darkness and all that stuff, that kind of replaced one of the ultis. But with the yeah. other ones, it was two ultis, four supers, and sometimes at ultra it was really weird with those early ones where you actually pulled twice as many ulties or a little bit more percentage wise than you did ultras it was kind of whack that is weird yeah they only so, put four ultras per box so it was kind of like there was only four different ones so like the ratio ended up being similar but it was yeah it was strange that is weird um so i know that you do a lot of sales on TCG player. You sell a lot of things on TCG player. Um, and obviously there's like YouTube AdSense revenue, things like that. But I have to wonder, is there ever a point with some of these products that you're just like, I just can't do it. Like I can sell all I want on TCG player. I can sell all that I want on, uh, I can, my personal website, this, that, and the other, but it's just like, it's just not, within the legitimate realm of like feasibility you know I so mean, if it's the first time i've opened it it doesn't matter like i'll take a hundred percent loss because i want to have that video the second time it really matters so yeah it's like well i've already opened this we've done that i'm not gonna take a 95 percent loss this time so especially with gx stuff like all those boxes like cybernetic revolution i got murdered on that box i think i lost like over four thousand dollars i was like i'm doing this Ooh. one time and i'm <laughs> never doing it again that's it yeah like, that's and I fair say, i say never but maybe in like five years i'll want to do it but at that point it's probably like thirty thousand dollars and i'm not gonna do it but yeah so I, like i'll do it once and then which i've already done every gx set at this point i've done them all so i don't need to do anything else and then i need to do ioc and that's about it i think like lob and like MRD would be the only ones that I would do multiple times just because I really like those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, you know, listen, if you're out there and you have an LOB first ed box that you want to see opened on camera, just send it to Ruxin. Just just yep. send it his way. Yeah, just you know? send it to me. I'll open it for you. You don't even just, I won't, I don't have to buy it. I'll open it for you. You keep all the pulls. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll even like let you pick one, pick one of the commons and he'll sign it and send it back to you. Yeah. Oh, you can pick whatever card you want if I if I get to open it. <laughs> I'll sign all the cards if that's what you want. Yeah. Um just just, just get a signature stamp. <laughs> just start yeah. stamping up. <laughs> Blue eyes white dragon. <laughs> oh, and then just like send them all to PSA with the stamp on them. See what they say. <laughs> like, this is PSA 10, right? What's that name on it? No, it's fine. Just ignore that. Don't worry about it. Trust. Yeah. Trust. <laughs> so I just have like one more question about the actual like opening and things like that. And it's actually not even about opening. It's about grading. So there's a lot of discourse surrounding PSA and BGS and the grading of these cards. Yep. A lot of people are of the mindset and of the opinion that grading is a scam, you know? Yep. So I was kind of wondering if I get your thoughts on that. Cause I know you get like a lot of things graded by the various grading companies. And I was kind of wondering where you fall on that uh well i obviously don't think it's a scam because i do it but i yeah. i totally understand where they're coming from because grading is very subjective and inconsistent which is sort of like 
a problem with it because like you're grading something you want it to actually be right you know you're spending a lot of money you want them to actually give you the right grade sometimes they give you a worse grade sometimes they give you a better grade i think most of the time they give the correct grade but it's just when they mess up it's very like you're like okay wow this how do you mess this up this is this should not be a six or whatever this should be whatever and it's like one out of a hundred cards but it's a really big deal when it happens and people make a big deal about it but I've been doing it for a long time since I think 2019. I could have done it in 2018, but at that point I didn't like to grade stuff or I didn't want to at least because I was like, I don't want to spend at this point. It's comical, but I was like, I don't want to spend $7 a card to get in graded. That's expensive. I'm going to send <laughs> 10 cards. Now it's a hundred dollars to grade one card because they're still closed on the bulk uh, front. But it took me like a year to get into it. I did it the first time and it's extremely fun. Like you send it in, you get the grades back. You get to reveal, okay, do we get the PSA 10, you know, whatever. And then if you do, it's awesome. And then some are for collection. Some you can sell, like, you know, they're, they're more valuable when you get the PSA 10 and all that stuff. So there's a part of that where I get to sell some of them and all that stuff. So I've just been doing it for a long time. The videos always do really well. People like watching the PSA videos. So one, I like it. People like to watch it. I usually, uh, I usually don't lose money grading cards. But sometimes you do if you, if you do really bad, but, um, so usually you can make a little bit of money off of it. So that's usually my reason to go for it, even though I know that at some point I'm going to get a seven and not know why and be like, why is this a seven? I thought it was a PSA 10. You know, that's you just got to accept the risk of that at some point. But I, I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. Gotcha. Um, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about was actually something that is not even on your channel. Uh, I do want to ask you about the auction series. So I kind of want to inquire just a little bit about how the idea for that came around whether that was you more you more SEMO, whatever and kind of you're probably about uh, 15 18 episodes in at this point maybe a little more maybe a little less i'm kind of wondering how you feel about the series so far and how you enjoy being on it uh okay so first of all i i really like it i think it's fun um the way I that enjoy it came, it. i watch it every week <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it's one of the most fun series i'm biased but i think it's really fun just like the the randomness of what's going to come up and like you know what we're going to bid on it and all that stuff which is good because you know i'm terrible at dueling so i lose every week but it's fun to at least win some auctions but uh it came up because simo i had not talked to him a ton before he asked me to be on the series excuse me um he sent me a, a message on Twitter and he's like, Hey man, I want to do a series with you. I know th- he said, I feel like I should be doing a series with you. I think is what he said, but I don't know what it should be. And I was like, I, I think I was in the middle of playing basketball or, or something. So I came back that down. I looked at my phone and I was like, Oh, Simo messaged me. Okay. This is weird. Cause like, and we don't talk that much or whatever. So I, I yeah. talked to him a couple of times. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I wonder what he has to say. And it was like, I feel like I should be doing a series with you or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Cause like, you know, I watched progression and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I love these series. They're so much fun. And I was like, that would be cool to be on one. But like, why would I? I don't even know how to duel hardly. He a- he asked me like, you want to be on a series? And I'm like, yes, of course. Like, that would be so much fun. So yeah. I'm, th- but then I'm thinking, do I know how to actually play Yu-Gi-Oh well enough for this? The answer is no. But at I- that point, it was even worse. Like at- when he asked me to be on that, I had played like, nearly zero physical tcg since like 2006 like on it was hilarious because so i'm like okay this, i want to but like am i gonna be like too bad where i like win zero times and like never win or whatever so he asked me and i'm like yeah so then eventually 
I don't know if he came up with the idea, but we like brainstorm a bunch of ideas. I don't even remember how like the actual auction full idea came from. I think it was like inspired by like, was it some RuneScape guy or something like that? I'm not really sure, but uh, it was something like that. I can't remember. So he was like, let's do this where we're going to like bid on these items. And I'm like, yes, that sounds incredible. That sounds like so much fun. So we start doing it. Um, I remember the first few episodes, I was super nervous because I'm like, okay, like what if I like, lose every no especially the first episode like what if i was like lose every episode i won the first episode spoiler alert if you haven't seen that one so i'm like okay i got the monkey off my back early i i won already i don't have to worry about losing um and i was like wow that was like incredibly fun to like do so the whole time every week i'm always looking forward to doing it or whatever and even though i don't win like nearly as much as i probably should uh i still and i've definitely learned a lot from playing in it because as I said, I'd barely played any paper like TCG. There was no master duel at that point to learn anything, which I really wanted there to be because I was like, I, I want to like practice or whatever. So I've, I've definitely learned a lot from playing in that and then like master duel coming out and letting me play a lot more, even though it's not like current meta, it's pretty close, you know, it's like six months behind or whatever it is because they won't update the game. But <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. So uh, whatever else you got to ask about, I'll, I'll can be more specific. Well, I mean, no, I just kind of was wondering about like the origin of it and things like that. I think you actually pretty much answered my questions before I asked them. I think you just covered it really well. <laughs> nice, um, nice. Have you found yourself wanting to play the actual like physical TCG more now that you're playing Master Duel and playing these new series and things like that? Yeah, well, I do with one of my friends. I've never played in like a locals or anything or like a regional or anything like that, but I've built multiple decks. I play with my friend. Um, so I've I actually, seen your thousands of dollars Dark Magician deck. I know you've built right. decks. <laughs> yeah, I built the decks. I have played with those. I mean, I've played with those decks. Um, yeah. So I think I have like a few decks, but I'm not caught up to the um, the Brave Engine yet because when I opened it, I accidentally sold all of them because I didn't realize which cards were actually part of it. <laughs> so I sold all of those. So I need to get that. I need to actually, because I can't like actually practice it because my friend doesn't have the, the have it either. So neither of us have that. And then also... Uh, it's not a master duel, so I can't practice it there. Right. So I don't, I don't really know like how to play against that or whatever. But like in master duel format, I feel pretty good. I've learned a lot, a lot of different decks or how to play against some specific decks uh, because of that. So like the dinosaur deck that I've been that I made it to plat one with this past season, I had never played dinosaur, which I think a couple of years ago they were like really good in the TCG, um, yeah. but I never played them, so it was like completely foreign to me. I was like, I don't know what to do with this thing, but I figured out how to play that deck. I've learned how to play like against Tri-Brigade and Drytron and all that stuff, which like like a year ago, if you had said Drytron or Tri-Brigade, I'd be like, I think those are in the TCG, but I really don't know what they do or anything. Yeah. Well, so I that's another that's a cool thing about auction series that it really expanded like me as like just like a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm not just yeah. a collector and an opener now. Like I know I'm still probably not that great at like playing the game, but like I know a lot of the cards now. I know what they do. I know the reason or the deck they're in or and stuff like that. And I think that it's really expanded to like having more people that follow me now, or at least that I don't think that uh it's like made my audience like crazy big, but like more people know of me from like the auction series. It's the guy on the auction series, you know. They might not have heard of me from like it because they don't watch pack openings, but they're like, yeah, that's auction series guy. So Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So you heard it here for folks first, folks. Uh, 
there will be like a probably like a four case opening of grand creators coming up on Ruxin's channel so he can get the brave package. <laughs> get ready for well, that stream. Oh, I didn't get any collector rares when I did that my first one, so I don't Please know. Do another. Yeah, well, I have I have ten more boxes, and I'm pretty sure this case also doesn't have collector rares based on what I've pulled in the first two. So I'm, I'm definitely going to open those ten boxes at some point because I do need to get the brave engine. That I, but I just haven't decided when it's going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I think that sounds like a great live stream. I think I'm ready for it. Uh, I think I'm just going to close it out with. Have you found that Master Duel in the new Master Duel format has more transitioned? Because I, I know that you mainly you do pack openings on your channel, but you also do a bit of you've started doing some Master Duel stuff on your channel. I remember when Master Duel first came out, you did a live stream. It's like 4 a.m. or some crazy time in the morning. Um, have you found yourself capturing a bit more of a competitive audience? Because I would imagine that with pack openings, like the vast majority of your audience would lean to more towards the casual side. Uh, so I'm wondering if, you know, some of those competitive players have kind of, if you've noticed any kind of, any kind of like trickle in off the master duel, uh, gameplay and things like that. Yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> that stream actually, I think that was when there was an episode of the book of Boba coming out and it comes out at two central. So I stayed up and watched it. Um, so I watched that episode. And so while I was watching that master duel dropped in the middle of the night. So that was like, everyone, they, they just shadow dropped it. Like nobody knew it was coming out. So I right. see it on Twitter, like after the, after I'm watching that show and I'm like, this is the perfect time to live stream. Cause nobody knows this is coming out. Like I can just go up there, download it, play, play it basically until I get tired of it or whenever I want to go to bed, if nobody's watching, like let's say nobody watched it because it's 3 a.m. I was expecting yeah. like nobody to watch it because it's like, you know, it's 3 a.m. I get on there, I like a thousand people are watching or whatever. And I'm like, well, I guess we're streaming for a while. I go to like 9 a.m. It was like the, the weirdest thing I've ever done so far since like being like a full-time streamer, YouTuber, I guess I'm more of yeah. a YouTuber, but I was like, why wouldn't I stay up all night? It's a brand new game. Thousand people are watching. I'm having fun. I'm just gonna stream this. I'm gonna stream this for a while. So yeah, that's how that's how it started. That was that was pretty fun. And um in terms of the audience, I don't think a ton of competitive people watch me. I know I've had some people trickle over from auction series. I'm not sure like if they're like competitive or if they're just like people who like watching those series, they like the old school stuff. But definitely my main audience is more of people that either don't play at all anymore or they play super casually. And I think some people have come over, but I would say I'm still mainly toward casual players slash people who just collect stuff like that. I definitely have a huge, a massively different audience than somebody like, let's say like pack or something like that. Right. Because when I, I like posted a master Duel video yesterday, my worst video I've posted in a long time, <laughs> like just nobody cares, you know, not nobody, but like percentage wise, it was like, I think it was 70% less views. So. It, it was like, Aww. okay. I, so at that point I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can't post this stuff all the time, but it was like, it's still fun. So I'll post it every once in a while or whatever, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, so I definitely still have more of the casual slash collecting audience, which is what I built up. So I, I can't really complain about it or anything, but, um, but I, I definitely picked the right time for that master Duel stream. Cause it didn't matter who it was. People were going to watch that. They were like, Oh, master Duel's out. <laughs> Let's get in here. I think 
that stream, I answered the question, is this on mobile? Like a thousand times. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no. Not yet. Not. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us. All we have left to do is the podcast question of the day. This is, I know you not are not a regular listener, but this is, you may have seen on Twitter. It's something that we ask on every episode. We have a new question that we do and we pose to the audience. Uh, the last podcast question of the day was, what is one anime strategy that hasn't been brought to the TCG yet that you would like to see? So I know that we've talked a little bit about, uh, we had some discussion around, there was a GX anime, um, there was a, a GX guy and he played uh, the chef, he, he was a chef and he played like a food archetype and like food monsters. Yeah. But it wasn't Madolce. So Wait, yeah, who yeah, this was that? I, I don't know. It was mentioned in the comments. Yeah. GX? And, yeah. And it was just stuff we never got in the TCG we, or we in the game. We just never got the cards printed. I can't think of that episode unless it's in the last season, which I did not watch because it's not on like. Yeah. I haven't watched any of the animes, so all of oh. this is new to me. Okay, you watched none of any of them. I watch. Okay, okay, okay. I watched a lot of DM when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, okay. Like, if you've seen DM, that's fine. But I was like, you haven't even seen DM. That's pretty impressive. I think like everybody's seen it. Seen the first like couple of see. I've seen through Dungeon Dice Monsters. So you've seen the first season, I think. You yeah, didn't watch Battle City. It. I okay, so like I watched some of it as a kid, but I haven't like I don't remember any. Oh, you gotta it. revisit that. That's a great that's one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh! seasons ever. You know, Except when they though, skip I, and have a random thing and go to like the whole like Noah thing and then come back to the end. You just get you can skip that part. But that that is really good. I remember like vague things. Like I remember some like train duel in the desert or something. I like, I feel like that's thing. I feel like that's the Ori Calco season. Okay, see, I remember, like, see, I vaguely remember all these things, but I can't. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah, that's Breaker. Back. That, Yeah, that's the iconic meme where he's just punching Weevil over and over. Is that what that is? Yeah, that's the train one. Okay, see, I have I know a little bit about, and then, like, the Dino DNA guy. Dino DNA. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I should have asked you about your, your I should have asked you about your uh, signature accents. But... <laughs> 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 but I, I've no, I've just never really gotten able to watch it. And I've tried since like, since I got, I got back into the game, like around Toon Chaos, when Toon Chaos released. Right. And I've tried to sit down and watch it, but I'm, I'm more of like a competitive player. Like I go to like case tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. And man, every time somebody normal summons a giant monster or like <laughs> normal summons a fusion monster or something crazy and something happens and like what like, you don't like you know, when they attack the moon or yeah or like summon or skull catapult like, water the shield come on yeah no anytime something crazy like that happens <laughs> i just get frustrated like it's funny but i just get frustrated <laughs> why can't i do that in the real game right <laughs> why can't my monster just stab my opponent where is that in the game huh <laughs> That's the opposite so, of me. I, I just f finally figured out what they can actually do. I thought normal summoning, uh, whatever that card was called, what was the card I normal summoned? Uh, oh, the, tri the Tri Brigade card. Oh, Fractal? Fractal, yeah. I thought that was a good play, but apparently it's not. Oh, buddy. I'm just going <laughs> to say, Tri Brigade's like my favorite deck ever. When you did that, I. Okay, to, 
to be fair, let me defend myself because auction series, <laughs> the comments every time it's like, man, this guy's an idiot. It's like, guys, I know, I don't know how to play this game. So I had never ever played against or played tri brigade when I played that. So I had no idea how the deck even worked. I was like, I know you could send this thing to the graveyard and like spend something else, but it was like, I didn't really have a big payoff for doing that. So I'm like, I might as well just play this 1900 guy. I was like, that was what I was thinking at least. But apparently that was the worst play of all time, but it's still funny. <laughs> I will say this. When you built, you pulled all the Trivergate cards. I was like, oh, this is broken. And then I was like, oh, he's pairing with for hires. That's real cool. And then I saw your deck list. And I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't have anything to summon with the Trivergate effects. Yeah, like I had, I had the guy that's like 2300 was the best card. So I was like, okay. Like, I can make this guy, but, like, he doesn't do anything. You know, like, he doesn't, like, make anything bigger, I think, is, like, really the goal of him. And it's just, like, uh, right. okay. So, it's, like, there's not really a big payoff. So, I'm, like, okay, this guy's 2300 I could make that guy. Or I could just sort of summon this guy and, like, not be in the graveyard and have 1900 So, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, he literally was just a 1900 beater, and it just kind of worked out. And, like, out. I, I feel like a lot of people, I know a lot of people that that comment about it or whatever are, like, they're thinking of it like they've played for the last couple of years or five years or 10 years. They know every card ever made. They know what it does. And they, they're they like, that's the worst play ever. Because obviously to them, it is the worst play ever. You know, I know right. that that is a terrible play. So, but for me, it's like, I have zero experience a lot of the time with some of the cards that I pull. So not only have I not played them, I've never played against them. So it's like, I haven't even seen oh, them yeah. in action. So I, they're like, read your cards, man. I'm like, I read a lot of cards. It's just like, they just cut them all out, you know? Cause I, and Simo's sitting there like, Hey man, I'm ready with the deck, whatever you are. And I'm like still reading all these cards, trying to make my deck. <laughs> I'm like, Oh gosh. So there's like, okay, I don't want to lose, but also I don't want to make him wait for three hours while I build a deck and like read every single card and do all this stuff. So especially when I end up on this, the episodes where I open like 130 packs and there's like a million different cards and stuff. At this point I am, figuring out a lot of the cards or at least i i recognize oh that's a good card i played that before and stuff like that so yeah, it's helping yeah, yeah. with the first like 10 episodes especially it was sort of rough i was like okay so i've never heard of any card i just pulled time to read you know listen all you need to do to win in the auction series for this is your recipe for success okay i'm just gonna give you a cheat code do a little bit of prep and just go in and memorize every set that includes Alistair the Invoker. I've already got that. We got that down. Uh, we've got okay, uh, Shadows and Valhalla. We've got uh, Fusion Enforcers. We've got, isn't there one more? I think there might be one more. No. There is one more. Oh, wait, let me think of this. Okay, so he's super in secret out of, out of those. Maybe, does he have another secret printing? Wait, when did he first come out? He first uh, came out in, I think it was Fusion Enforcers was his original release. Okay, and then he had Shadows of Valhalla was a reprint, and then there was another reprint. What was it? Oh, oh. now you're going to make me go and Google. Oh, I'm Googling that now. Does he have a third printing? He So he certainly the, does. If yeah. the occasion has an ulti, I know that. Alistair does not have an ulti, I know that. So I know the highest rarity for him is Secret Rare, because that's the one I have. Um, okay, so he was printed in maximum gold. As an oh, alt art. Yeah, because alt art. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I, I always just write off. Uh, so, okay, that's another thing that's changed since I started like actually making decks. I used to love Maximum Gold. I thought it was cool. Then I started putting those cards in sleeves. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, this sucks. I hate these cards. <laughs> it literally literally the worst. So much. it's it's crazy how like playing with the cards actually changed my mindset on so many different cards. Like Alistair did not give a crap about him until auction series. Then when I won with him, I was like, this is the best card of all time. <laughs>
So while y'all were having that conversation, by the way, I quickly looked up. The guy's name was Sarter. And he played a deck where he had three normal monsters. Oh, the cook guy? Yeah. His name was Sarter. He was the chef for uh, Raw Yellow. Um, the only mo- the cards you saw of his deck were three vanillas named Carrot Man, Onion Man, and Potato Man. <laughs> no wonder well, I don't remember this. Out into a hungry burger archetype. <laughs> hold on, oh hold on. And the whole deck revolved around getting those to the grave so he could get out a uh, fur- uh, curry fiend Rue, who oh get who gained- Yes, curry fiend Rue. Like who did R-O-U-X, he duel? U X Rue. R O O. Oh, okay, but, they but it's mean, still funny player words. Yeah. It's still funny. Hold on, his effect. This card, so it's a uh, level eight fire fiend with zero attack and defense. It gains 200 attack for each spice card in your graveyard, which are, which are all the spells and traps, and 300 attack for every monster that has been removed from play. It's gaining attack is its only effect? Yep. That's classic uh, early anime. Yeah, that's classic. Yeah, that, exactly right. But hold on. Here's oh, it does a- more. Here's what some of the spice cards do. So we have Curry Pot, which okay. isn't a spice card, but it still kind of works. Any monster sent to the graveyard is removed from play instead. Oh, so it's just Grand Maju the deck. Wow. Uh, during either player's turn, if Carrot Man, Potato Man, and Onion Man that you own are currently removed from play by this card's effect, you can remove all monsters on the field from play to special summon a Curry Fiend Rue from hand or deck. Oh. Oh. That's not yeah. bad. <laughs> It's really not. Dude, let's see this flesh out in the TCG. <laughs> I guess on, it'd be like uh, an OTK spell? at that point. Yeah, it, it, it would definitely be a side engine in Grand Maju. Hold yeah. on, Spell Spice uh, Caraway. And, uh, inflict 200 damage to your opponent. Gain 200 life. Yeah. Uh, spell Spice Cinnamon. Okay, so it's it's like a Sky Striker Grand Maju deck. Basically, yes. Okay, by the way, Ruxin, I would like to suggest to you, if you're looking to build a like TCG deck that... That is like really fun, and I'm not gonna say it's not competitive because it is competitive. You should definitely try Grand Maju. I've I've heard some crazy stuff about Grand Maju. <laughs> that is hilarious. Listen, nothing is funnier than it being really late game, and your opponent is 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 like, aha, I'm about to win. You just set a Grand Maju. Yeah, that's what Jason Carter did. We talked about nineteen thousand defense. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so funny. Well. This has been great. Oh, I just realized I didn't even finish the. Uh, yeah. I didn't finish podcast question of the day. I got caught up in talking about the anime stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, actual shadow duels would make locals more interesting. That is true. That is correct. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a the there's an anime like super effective this archetype like the oh like talking about like the zombies can like actually regenerate Yugi using the wet field and some local skulls lightning to fry the maw things like that would be like a kind of if they could incorporate that into the tcg somehow it would be funny it oh, would yeah. be it would make I, things impossible but it would be funny i feel so. like isn't there a card i think there's a card that has something about that lightning thing i can't remember what it's called though oh what was it the only thing i know of is like archfiend lightning well there's, there's still archfiend of lightning i think it was a spell card in like five d's it was like when they put that random dm stuff like where they put like chimera the mythical beast or whatever it's called in in five Ds. I think it was like that. I don't remember if it was any good. Though. I can't remember the name of it though. So there's no really point. late five Ds or really early Zexel. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember opening some Zexel packs. Like I mean, I'm talking before Order of Chaos, maybe around Photon Shockwave, and it was like like you said, like Chimera the Mythical Beast. And it's like, wait a minute, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like, why is this in here as a rare? Like, it's not even a common, it's a rare. It's like, this card is a, a regular fusion card. It's like, why is this in here? Absolute power force. Chimera, the flying mythical beast. Yep, that's it. And it's like, why was this never printed? And I guess it didn't need to be printed. And why is it printed now? Yeah, random. But yeah, I mean, to see some of those strategies and things brought in, uh, one of the only things I can think of that hasn't been imported is the CCC deck, which is like, I guess a side thing, partial, like it's a non-pen DDD deck, basically. Hmm. Spectre's Drones from Vrains, uh, Stray Cats, which is Kathy Catherine's deck. Oh, I know that one. I don't know that one. Uh, the Orichalco strategy. I mean, yeah. Outside of literally just the Seal of Orichalcos, which doesn't let you get to, which doesn't let you take the loser's soul. I mean, <laughs> so lame. Yeah, who would want that? So that is our old one. The new podcast question today is what are some changes you would like to see made soon in Master Duel? Personally, I would like to see more ranks above Platinum, and I would like to yeah. see some new cards imported and maybe a new ban list. But that's just me. What about y'all? I can agree with that. Yeah, I definitely want to see them catch up or at least at least have similar cards to TCG, because as I said, like Brave Engine, like if it's going to be in there, I would like to like figure out how to play against it. It'd be nice. Right. Give um, me small world. Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff, like all this, all this, these good cards that people are playing that are just not they don't exist. They're not in the Master Duel, which is kind of weird. And also, I think it'd be cool if they did a because they have their different ban list right now. It'd be cool if they had a, the regular ban list on there, too, because like, OK, I want to play figure out how to play this deck hopefully i can you know play the same cards in master duel but like if you want to pl figure out how to play against dragoon not happening because it's banned <laughs> the thing that i actually want to see more than anything else in master duel is i want to see the game support a bunch of different alternative formats give us time wizard that format. too yes please that would be that's so my cool. number one thing for master duel is i want to be able to go in i want to be able to select the TCG ban list, the OCG ban list, or standard, which can exactly. just be whatever master they want the master dual ban list to be, right? Yep. I want to be able to select best of one or best of three mm -hmm. before I start my matches. So basically, like have separate uh, rooms, basically. Yeah, separate like server, or not to say servers, but like you know, separate pools of uh, a separate queues, a queue. Yeah. A separate one for each of those options, because I feel like you can definitely put in best of three and best of one for TCG, OCG, and standard. And you would easily be able to regularly find games with no issue. Yeah. And then maybe like once a month or twice a month, probably once a month, I'd like to see an event similar to how we had with the Xyz event where they have a time wizard event where you can yes. build decks from specific time periods. If those, if they would make those two changes, I think they would have like the best game in the world right here. That would be incredible. Yeah, so it would definitely help them to kind of separate themselves more from Magic the Gathering Arena and maybe even be able to pull a couple of those people out. I think that it would surpass Magic the Gathering in the Arena. I think it easily would. But as it sits right now, I've worked in game design. This feels like the beta version. Oh, it yeah, it really does. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so they literally haven't done anything since the beginning. It's really weird. Yeah, it's they have they've done everything about it felt like they were like, OK, we we need to drop this for some reason. We're going to drop it like middle of the night. You know, we're not really ready to drop it. We don't have any updates for a while. It Rock all kind of feels that way. 
yeah. tackle saving and hope people don't notice. Yeah. yeah. It's a little weird. Uh, the, the good thing is they have been like, it seems like whenever there's like an issue, they fixed it extremely quickly. Yeah, they. it's weird. It's like the most response we've ever gotten from Konami yeah. on like issues and things. And when it first came out, people were like praising Konami. They were like, this is awesome. This yeah. is like the best thing we've ever gotten. We've actually gotten quick communication on a lot of things, yada, yada. And then six weeks later... Oh, communities in shambles. I don't even understand. Like, I feel like adding ranks is like, I don't know, because I haven't like designed a game, but I feel like just adding a, some ranks is not that hard. But yeah, maybe it not. is. But it's like, not. it would make a huge difference because like, it feels so short right now. Like, even for me, and I like, I mean, I don't even play that much competitively or anything or like on Master Duel, but it's just like you're finished. And then it's like, what do you really do after that? It's kind of like in Dueling to hit King of Games, but it took usually would at least take you a while to get up there, especially the first time. I kind of wish if they're going to keep this way that they would just push you all the way back to the beginning and not have to, like, I think they push you down to like gold one now if you made plat or gold five. I can't remember. So you don't really have to gold win five. that much to actually finish for the whole the whole month. So I don't know. And then once you finish that and you finished all the storylines, you're like, okay, cool. I'm done. Like, game's over. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not playing current DCG. I don't have anything to climb on. It's just kind of over. Yeah, so... Yeah. That all lasted. Yeah. <laughs> they they definitely need to keep content flowing and kind of nurture this because they have the potential to have the biggest most impactful release of anything Yu-Gi-Oh related since the since the game came out. I yeah, truly I mean, believe that. Just think about how many updates were in Duel Links. Like they were updating it like weekly. And it's like why don't you just do that in this? You just have an event every week or every other week. Like it doesn't seem that like that demanding. All you do is make another another place for people to play, like the XCs event. Just do that and just call it something different. There's a million different things you can do. Yeah, there are so many things. Like I think the XCs event was cool. I think it was a cool idea and a cool concept. And it was like it was fleshed out like okay. But I think right. that they could have taken it so yeah. much. Like there's so many things that they should have done before they did that. And even once they did that, they could have fleshed it out better. Yeah, so. like th there should have been, like I would say there should have been like, okay, there's like a leaderboard or like there's like a, a target. There's like a certain amount of things you get this really cool thing that you really actually want. Like for me, I didn't care to play it at all. I played it for like the first 2000, I think, to get a bunch of gems. That was it. And it was like, I think it's cool, but like I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to play this because there's not like, anything really cool to chase like a like a top spot on the leaderboard there's not like you know you get this cool cosmetic if you get first or like top 10 or top 100 or whatever and i feel like that adding that makes it even better and like they could do that yeah. for like every event yeah i mean the thing that they could really do that would make it like top tier they could add prize cards in extremely yeah, exactly. like that would like, be insane that would be insane and it doesn't even have to be like a unique card only to Master Duel that we don't have in the TCG. Like, just take a card and give it a really, really unique finish. Like, they have the royal finish and the glossy finish. Give it a oh really cool, gosh. like, rarity. You know? Yeah. And, like, all these, like, you know, these giveaways they do for, like, the, the take a picture of your setup. Okay, quit doing those and do it for Master Duel. Give me, like, you know, yeah. just... All right, now we're going to be giving away this really cool, unique card, except you have to like play on Master to win it. And like people would go crazy. Like that would be awesome. 
Yeah, they, I mean, we can call it. Imagine like, if they made a ring. yeah, if they actually did a royal, like a real life royal finish. Because like then you oh, know, oh, this oh. is from Master Duel. It's royal finish, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be unreal. That would be so cool. And then if it was like a XC's event, you make it one of the main XC's cards everyone's using right now, or whatever, and make it a royal finish, and that would be insane. People would go nuts for that. Okay, so let's just say in the next set they don't tell anybody right and you can pull it's like a one in ten cases thing right yeah and you can pull a card whatever card they choose in the tcg in royal rarity right it's a new rarity it's only yeah. that one card in this set yeah would you go like live on stream just open cases until you get the royal rarity they come out with a new rarity that's one every 10 cases i definitely would <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> yeah because like that's like that's the thing that i make content about it's like oh new rarity that's what we do here <laughs> you know yeah we, got, we gotta get this thing i bet you're excited especially for if it was like a too, collector huh? a collector card what was that i said i bet you're excited from for ghosts from the past too huh yeah yeah <laughs> it's good it's gonna be fun we're gonna have some streams we're gonna have some videos for sure on that one it's gonna be pretty nuts booking my flight to canada now <laughs> i'm coming to open some packs let's go uh i'm not from canada but okay i, I definitely thought you were from canada <laughs> no so many people think that i'm not sure why well, okay tell I me why I you thought I saw it. that in a stream i thought you were from canada uh i'm not wow <laughs> i'm not actually I'm from the U.S. I get. I guess because I guess because I think it's because you're just too nice for the, to be in the U.S. Or just <laughs> well, you speak English, so you have to be from Canada. Yeah, I mean, possibly yeah. from the U.S. But listen, everybody, that'll wrap us up for today's episode. Uh, please be sure to go follow Ruxin on Twitter. Go subscribe to him on YouTube. Follow him on all the platforms, Ruxin. I know I just plugged you, but go ahead and plug yourself again for anybody that doesn't know who you are mainly, but I'm sure everybody does. But, you know, just in case. All right. Ruxin34 on every platform, I think. I think, except maybe like on TCG Player, I'm just Ruxin. But on like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, it's all Ruxin34. So go go follow those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And if you aren't already following us, you can follow us and find us on you let's see you can find us on pretty much everywhere huh you twitter discord all those normal places yeah and then be sure to check out our patreon if you're interested in that uh we now have merch on our patreon wow i totally forgot to announce that we have merch on our patreon now yeah and we also have our play mat dropping on march 11th Woo! yeah so this is where you edit it and put this at the beginning <laughs> i might have yeah we might actually have to do that or it'll just be a reward for the people that stuck around yes that's what it might be. No, yeah, our playmat's gonna be on the Imperium Duelist website starting on March 11th. So be sure to check that out. If you have any questions, hit us up. If I mean, if you were on our Twitter and Discord, you would already know that, but you know. So, but please be sure to check all of that out. Be sure to check out our Twitter. If you're on Apple, please be sure to leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, go ahead and just follow real quick. It takes no time out of your day. But thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And until next time, have a good day, everybody. Take care, everyone. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.